day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live right here on Faith FM. My name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm Aussie Pastor, and that's Hunty, our techie. Yes. Welcome to our program today. It's pretty cold here in Sydney. Uh, that's okay. It's kind of spring, and we expect that sort of thing. We do. Um, I think right from the start, no music. Are we going to have music yeah, in we've the Yeah, we've got other computers, all our music and our guests on it. Oh, okay. All, so we'll have, live guests. We'll, have our, <laughs> we'll have our stings and all that yes, sort of thing everything. on it? Yeah, it's got everything. Okay. So Just the opener. Okay, let's start for prayer. Thanks, sure. mate. Definitely, Father Lord. First, I want to pray for all our tech dear Lord, that you bring it back to life for us. But most importantly, I want to pray for our listeners, Lord, that you bless them and grant them peace. And also, we continue to pray for them in the least, Lord, that you will bless them in very special ways. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Hunty. This day in history, this is the 290th day of the year, 75 days left in 2023. What do you think about that, mate? Oh, it's scary, mate. It's scary. Some big <laughs> things happened on this day. Actually, truth is, it was a pretty quiet day in history. Was so it? Let's, let's have a quick look and see if you know some of these. In 1534, that's a long <laughs> time ago, posters appeared for the first time in Catholic Paris, supporting Zwingli denouncing the Mass. I'm not sure that's a great way to share Christ. By posters? Posters up all through a uh, city denouncing the mass. to, And it was a very Catholic city. But Zwingli was a hothead. Okay. Great Protestant reformer, but a hothead. He died in battle um, sometime later. He was a Swiss reformer. It comes from my people. In 1662, Charles II sold Dunkirk back to the French. The British probably regret that now. Otherwise, there'd be a little bit of Britain still in France. You know about that, aren't you? No, not really. not really. Yeah, a little bit of history in there. The English owned a fair bit of France at one stage there. In 1814, on this day, October 17, there was a London beer flood. That's a beer <laughs> at a brewery company burst, flooding the streets with 610,000 litres of beer with a 15-foot tidal wave sweeping through the place. <laughs> Fair go. Fair go, indeed. 1860 was the first, on this day, October 17, was the first open golf tournament ever. Came from the Presswick Golf Club Scotland. First British Open, first US Open, first open tournament ever. I don't like golf. I do. Yeah, I know you do. Nice relaxing game. In 1888, uh, Edison files a patent for an optical phonograph, and I couldn't work out what that was, Hunty. Have you got any so, idea what an optical phonograph is? A lot of Googling research, and he created the phonogram, which is recordings, by putting little bumps on, on wax rolls and ceramic rolls, and needles would track over it and that would make sound. Well, he had the idea to do the same with pictures, but I don't think that's in the end how he ended up doing it because all I could find in historic photos was him using film and not putting pictures on ceramic rolls. So you're saying that he put a, a, a paint on something, something he that didn't, didn't have work? working. That's my guess. But listeners, if you know better, we'd love to hear from you. In fact, we put in a plug for Ask Delsie Pastor right now. That'd be all right. Mm. So you are if, taking you are taking my time. I am, and he gets me into trouble yes, for it. So. I, I give him yeah. I give him heaps. Yep. Listeners, if you know better, please text us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one or email us, and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail dot com. Um, in nineteen eighteen, Yugoslavia proclaimed itself a pro- republic. 
Uh, I'd say Happy Yugoslavia Day, but they don't exist they anymore. Don't. Broke up. Yep. It's into gone. Serbia, Kosovo, Croatia, Croatia mm. a number of ones. Um, 1919, Leeds Football Club was founded. Very famous soccer club Indeed. in Britain, in the north. I quite like Leeds. 1933, Albert Einstein arrived in the USA as a refugee from Hitler and the Nazis. This is this day, October 17. What a mistake it was that Hitler evicted him because Einstein was instrumental in developing the the um, atom bomb. Yeah, absolutely. Nuclear bomb. Yeah. Very glad that Einstein came across because we wouldn't want Hitler and those rotten Nazis dropping atom bombs in World War Two. No. 1943, the Burma Railroad was completed. The uh, Japanese prisoner of wars, a lot of them Aussies, suffered awfully um, putting that railroad together. Hundreds died. 1956, first commercial nuclear power station in the world. And you, guess what country it was in, Auntie? Oh, uh, in, um, uh, USA. You should have stuck with that first one, Bert. Uh, England. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, October 17, uh, 1950-something, because I forgot to write it, Jailhouse Rock, uh, 57, I think. Jailhouse Rock, Elton. Yep, I mean, Elvis, Elvis Presley. Mm. Yeah, mm. don't know the song that well. but Oh, it's a good song. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to comment. No. <laughs> I'm in trouble again. 1979, <laughs> Mother Teresa awarded the Nobel Peace Prize uh, on this day. Mm, she probably deserved it. This one, Hunty, for you. October 17, 1990, Internet Mobile Movie Database versus... What's that about? IMDb. It's a database which anyone can go to if you want to look up an actor. Who was in this movie? Who was in that movie? Okay. You type in the movie, it'll give you the names of all the actors in their pictures and their bios. And you reckon you have to pay to get onto it now? It was. It's free to look at who is in the movies, but the kind of data I used to love getting out of IMDb was I'd click on the movie, then I'd scroll down to the production company, and then I'd say, show me photos of the camera they used in the locations. That's our, now all behind a paywall. Okay. Mm. And 2018, our last one, recreational use of cannabis was allowed in Canada. Big mistake. Births on this day? Yep, who we got? 1912, Pope John Paul I. That was the guy before Pope John Paul II, or the one before that, I think. Uh, 1969, Ernie Els. You know who he is? No. And you reckon you like golf? Oh, yeah, fine. <laughs> South African golfer, probably yeah. one of the greatest the world's ever seen. 1970, what about this one? Birthday, Anil Kumble. Don't know. One of the greatest Indian leg spinners oh. the world has ever seen. 1972, Eminem. Singer. Rapper. Mm. Don't know nothing about Very him. Clever. Don't know a single song he's sung. Don't listen to that sort of music. Sorry, guys. 1979, Kim Raikkonen. Oh, Formula One. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And Defs only have one. I'm interested if you know this one because you're a movie buff. Uh-oh. J. Bruce Ismay. Nope. Born in 1862. Died in 1920. He was the guy on the Titanic movie who was the bad, the baddie. Uh, you know, no, you don't know the movie, do you, Hunter? I have seen the movie, but I don't have any baddies. It's the guy who's running, a, who was uh, the the heroine's um, boyfriend. Okay, she was engaged to get married to. Him. Got it. Yeah, he he got a bad rap actually because he did survive the Titanic sinking. A lot of people think he was a coward. I'm not so sure about that. Hmm. History. Uh, he ended up committing suicide, and probably over that one thing that he just kept, kept getting hounded because he survived the wreck. Oh, dear. Um, national days or special days? Yep. It's National Pasta Day. Today? Yeah. Well, we celebrated you last week. Uh, not National Pasta Day, we didn't. Okay. And it's Pro-Life Day, National Pro-Life Day, which is a celebration of babies and all things good with children. Mm. Um, word of the day, I reckon you might know this oh, one. Oh, here we go. I don't know whether I'm going to say it right. Splenetic. 
S-P-L-E-N-E-T-I-C. No, Let no me use idea. it in a word, okay, in, a uh, in a sentence, and see if you get it. Sure. The newspaper publisher splenetic editorials often struck fear into local politicians. Must be truthful and hard-hitting. Not far away. Splenetic is a formal word that typically describes expressions of sharp annoyance and anger. Okay. So to use it in a word so our listeners will understand with you around. Hmm. <laughs> Hunty's splenetic protestations on our radio program could not hide the fact that Queensland has a much better footy team than New South Wales. Despite losing to Penrith Spl- that's for the grand Queensland. final. That, see, again, oh, you, you, don't, you just don't know sport. Your, your beautiful Queensland who's players. The Queensland, all... Who's the Queensland team? Oh, some funny-headed Cape exactly. dude. Splenetic. We're getting an example of <laughs> Hunty in splenetic form. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Look, it doesn't. We're sorry we got a bit of a rough start today, but we're glad you're here. here we are. It's been quite a day in history. Let's hope and pray it'll be a great day here on uh, our radio show. Beautiful song to start. Well, we're going to have a well, look I've at got it. a video on yeah. my run sheet. Well, yes. Let's I listen do. to it. Okay. Like you're all alone and no one cares about you. I want you to know something. You're not alone. God cares about you. God loves you, and you don't have to ever be lonely again, because Jesus Christ can come and live inside of your heart and be your Savior and your Lord. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with God. He's just a prayer away. You can just pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I I want you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want to start this relationship with you now. If you'll pray a prayer like that, God will hear it and answer it. And you can know that you'll have purpose in this life and hope in the life to come. That was Greg Laurie. You know who he is, don't you, Hunty? No, but he's an evan- great, yeah, you know, yeah, you what do, a great you, preacher. He's an evangelist from the United States, Baptist yep. preacher. Yep. He was the guy in the movie we talked about the other week. Can't right. remember the name of the movie, right. but... Uh, Helen Mr. Fudge. No, 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 no. not Helen Mr. Fudge. You wasn't in that? No, okay. I'll come back to you with that. <laughs> Here's a great uh, song to start off yep. with from Woody Wright, Thank God I'm Free. For a long time I travelled Down a long, lonely road my heart was so heavy, it sin I sank alone. Then I heard about Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful hour. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out through His saving power. Thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. In the blood of Jesus, I've been born again. Hallelujah, I'm saved, saved, saved by His wonderful grace. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way. Like a bird out of prison that's taken his flight. Like a blind man who God gave back his sight Like a poor wretched beggar Who's found fortune and fame I'm glad that I found out He would bring me out His holy name Oh, thank God I am free, free 
beautiful song. I, re- I really like that one. It's a ripper. Hey, you know um, what? One of our uh, one of our pain in the neck listeners just texted in. Well, you better not say it like that. You better tell the truth out. <laughs> there. One of our beautiful this listeners. Is, this just is one of Hunty's best friends. Actually, that's why he's mucking Her up. Her name like is it. Lil, and she knows the answer to the question. And I messed up. What was the question? The movie's called The Jesus Revolution. That's right, Greg Laurie. It's a great movie. <laughs> Thank you, Lil. If you haven't seen it, get it online and watch it because it's an inspiring movie about what God can do, about what Jesus can do in a secular community. It's what Jesus did with the hippies, actually, Hunty. Hey, news. We news. don't have a lot of time today. Okay. That, that's for sure. And let's have a look at some of the news things. The Israel Hamas war rages. Oh, man. This is a hot, hot, hot war. Um, this is disastrous. I don't, don't know what to say about this because it's one of those. You know, you know, I put on my Facebook a week or so back when this first got going. I might have shared this last week, but um, soon Jesus will come and settle the trouble between Abraham's two sons. Yep. They are the Israelis and the Palestinians. Are blood brothers separated by religion? Um, I don't know. You, you've got to be careful, especially when you're on live radio, you know, because I know yep. there's people listening to this show right now, Hunty, who has sympathies both sides. Uh, you know, some sympathise with the, the Israelis and some with the Palestinians. Well, well, I, I, I don't go down that road. I sympathise with both. Hmm. I'm so sorry for those... Israelis who died, and I'm so sorry for the Palestinians who are now suffering. And a lot of people say, well, they deserve it. Well, I don't know. There's only, what, 20% in the, in the Hamas terrorists? 25, 25. 30%. Voters. That means there's 75% population who are just being smashed right now. Well, 70%, yeah. Yeah, who have nothing to do with this war. Yeah, and the same on the Israeli side, you know. Um, it, it's just so sad, and, and you look at what's going on on the border up there, in Lebanon, up north, up near Galilee, where we were hunting. Yeah. Um, a little bit uh, um, further along from Galilee, actually. Galilee borders Syria. So if you keep swinging around to the left, hunting, if yep, you remember yep. we're over there, you'll I end do. up on the Lebanese border. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, you know, potential trouble too because the Lebanese Hezbollah militia, Muslim militia, are threatening to attack the Israelis. And then you've got two American battle groups, um, with aircraft carriers and a marine landing aircraft carrier um, in the district, with America threatening Hezbollah and Iran, and and it's the whole world's a mess, and and it's pretty scary when you look at how things are going at the moment. And look, my prayer, I pray for the protection of the Israelis, for the healing of their hearts, mm. and uh, for the wounded. I also pray for the Palestinians, for both, and I pray that Jesus, Jesus, who is the answer to this conflict will somehow bring peace. And I'm going to talk about that later on in this program, Hunty, with a yep. sermon I preached at my church on Sabbath about how Jesus is the answer to the Israeli-Palestinian question. Um, underwater cables. This news article, this piqued my interest, Hunty. Did you know that there are underwater cables that keep Australia connected to the world? It's I not do. via satellite generally. It's underwater cables. Correct. Yes. And tell us a bit about these underwater cables. Well, they're fibre optical cables, which means they... They connect, for example, Australia to America so that we can share internet, data, phone calls, television channels. The signal travels in these fibre optic cables under the ocean at the speed of light. Wow. Which so is, that mean I can speak to you, say I'm in London. Yes. Can I speak to you in real time when it's the speed of light? 
Yes, um, unfortunately, no, no it delay. Does ha- it does have to go through a server at both ends, oh, okay, and be converted out to your phone, and you do get a second or so loss in the servers at both ends. Yeah, but the actual travel time from from say Sydney to New York is point zero 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 one of a second. So you wouldn't notice it. No, except for the technology at both ends is converting light back into signal. You wouldn't notice and it. And this article was talking about the dangers of either in a war losing our communication with the rest of the world and or just some ship dropping an anchor or yes. a fishing boat dragging Tra- trawlers, a net. yes, yes, all at danger. And that it's very, very expensive to fix. It is very expensive. So this was yeah. my question as I wanted to ask you when I read this news article talking about these cables and what, what, how they're under threat if there was a war. If our cables were disconnected, would we still have internet in Australia? Yes, because we've actually got double redundancy there. Cables running from Sydney going certain routes south, some going north, and we have some cables going from Perth. What about if all internet cables were severed with the outside world, would we have internet in Australia? Yeah, there is some satellite internet, so we would get a little bit at at a very high price. So I better go and get Elon Musk's internet as fast. No, no, because his satellite system is lower orbit. So his satellites are just hovering over Australia. Yeah. So what happens is... I've got, I've got Starlink. So I wouldn't lose it. If, no, if, you would still lose it because Starlink goes from the roof of my house up to the Starlink satellite. That Starlink satellite then beams it via a laser beam back to a ground station in Maryborough. And then it goes on the underground sea cable back to the US. Oh, okay, well, that doesn't work. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> what about this one? I bet you you've got big, big – and we haven't talked about this, and I bet you've got big views on this, and I bet you they're oh, not what mine are. Here we go. Should Aussie sports stars have to sing the national anthem when they're playing for Australia? I am 100% on this, and the answer is yes. I knew it. You represent my country. You take my country's money. You better be on our side. I reckon we're living in a world where people, the media especially, is just trying to stir us up all the time. I sincerely do, hunty. No, and, there's people you see and I don't there think not singing. that anyone should have to sing the national anthem if they don't want, and it comes from personal experience, because I don't sing the national anthem. Now I'm going to get into big trouble. I particularly don't like the Australian national anthem. Don't like the tune, don't particularly like the words. That's fine, but you're not on Go TV. and listen to the American national anthem. Yeah, Go and listen to the New Zealand national anthem. Yes. Go and listen to the Russian national anthem. Go and listen to the French national Just about any other national anthem other than ours. Yes. It's... And if these guys don't want to sing, they shouldn't have to sing. And I reckon it's the media just stirring us up again. As long as you know you're wrong. That's all right. And they should have to see it and represent us from from pride for the... I'm going to give our listeners an example of agape love. (laughs) Oh, Lil's texting me again. I'm with Lloyd. Oh, my goodness. I'm out of my own today, am I? Yeah. (laughs) I I just reckon that we've got a whole lot of different... um, powers and forces out there trying to stir and divide us. And I, when I read this in the paper, uh, it was about the Aussie Rugby League team and four or five guys didn't sing and they were going off. And you read the comments section, it was pretty vitriolic. And I'm thinking to myself, come on, you guys, it's a national anthem. These guys just went out and played for Australia. And what's more, they won and they gave the other team a good thrashing. Well, that's good. So come on. If they want to sing the national anthem, it doesn't mean they're anti-Australian. They could just be like me <laughs> and not be a great singer. And there's a lot of people out there that argue you shouldn't be singing mouth, the national anthem either. The, if you're on TV on a close-up, mouth the words. <laughs> but when you see all these things, the terrible war in, uh, you know, with, with Israel and the threat of Iran and America, America off the coast, when you see um, 
how easily we could be mucked up, Hunt, here mm. if our internet cables Easy. got broken. Yep. And you see all the things that are stirring us up. Look up, because I'll tell you what I think. Soon we're going to see Jesus come now, Hunty. Yes. We're going to watch another video. I was going to get the sting for you. No, no, I don't want the sting. <laughs> okay. That's why I put my... my Your sting finger away. <laughs> this is a great little testimony from a lady called Alex Hope on a, the difference Jesus made in her life when she gave her heart to him. I remember going to church with my mom and hearing about Jesus and being like, hmm, not for me. He did not die for me. I am way too far gone. Fast forward five years, I am addicted to heroin and crack cocaine and a girl at my community college says, you wrong. He actually died for everybody because we all fall short of the glory of God and we are saved by grace, not by our works. She said, even the adult industry stuff, even all of that that you did, he died on the cross of what you are most ashamed of just so he can have a relationship with you. Literally so he can have a relationship with you because he loves you so much. So I accepted Jesus into my heart. It still took two months of recovering and relapsing and using to finally say, hey God, if you're real, I need your help. And the next day, I is the last day I use this April. I'm clean 10 years by the grace of God. I'm saying all this because no matter what you have going on this Easter, know that you are never, ever, ever too far gone for God. He literally died for you so he can have a relationship with you. He loves you so much. She taped that about six months ago, honey. Yep. Yep. Uh, seven months ago. Uh, she used to be in the adult industry. She fell far from Christ, and she's trying to share today, and I hope that came across to our listeners, that no matter where you are, mm. no matter how far you've fallen from Christ, no matter how dark the place you're in, you can still come to Jesus and give you his, your heart to him. He will hear you, and he will take it. This next song, Ray Bolts, this is one of my favorite songs of all time, Hundy. Yep. It's talking about when we get to heaven. And the joy there'll be when people like that lady come up to us who have shared Christ and say, hey, you had an influence on me. It's a beautiful song, mate. And I know it's one of your favorite too. Hope you enjoy it as you listen to it. Remember the time 
A missionary came to your church His pictures made you cry And you didn't have much money But you gave it anyway well, Jesus took the gift you gave And that's why I'm in heaven today So thank you For giving to the Lord I am a life That was changed Thank you For giving to the Lord I am so One by one they came Far as your eyes could see Each life somehow touched By your generosity And it was the little things you done Sacrifices you made They were unnoticed on this earth In heaven now proclaimed not supposed to cry but friend I'm almost sure there were tears in your eyes as Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord he said my child look around you for great is your reward That was changed Thank you For giving to the Lord I am so That's Ray Boltz with Thank You and another beautiful song. Uh, Hunty, have we got Harold on the line? Oh, let me have a look. Yeah, we do. How are you, Harold? Hi there, Lloyd. That was a great song you just had. Yeah, yes, beautiful song, isn't song, it? Yes. Now, today we're going to look at a guy called Theodora Beza. Now, did I say that right? That's right. This is another one of these guys you've dug up, Harold. I've never heard of him yet. He was really, in some sense, a major player in the Protestant Reformation. He sure was. Uh, where was Theodore born? 
Well, he was born in a castle at Vézelay in France. And do you know, it was almost just two years after Luther had knocked the the 95 Theses. Yeah, a lot of these guys were around that time. Um, why was the village he was born in famous? Because it was quite famous. Well, a little village, but he was where the King of France, Louis VII, had made a vow to become a crusader and go to the Holy Land. That was 1146. Hundreds of years before. Yeah, still famous place though back then. Um, who took him to Paris and who educated him? Because he ends up going to Paris and getting educated. Well, his uncle Nicholas decided to take him to Paris in 1528 and he was educated by the tutor of John Calvin himself. Which was quite amazing, really, and you get a sense that it's right now, right at this place, that God brings these two together and he begins to learn about the Protestant Reformation. That's for sure. When his uncle dies, who then takes over his care? Well, his uncle dies, but he's got another uncle who was an abbot of a monastery, and he started supervising Theodore's education. It seems, though, that Theodore already had the seed of the Protestant Reformation planted firmly in his heart, and it was beginning to grow. He then goes and gets a degree. What did he graduate with? Well, he was a guy, his uncle sent him off then to the University of Orleans and he graduated with a degree of law. It so am- he became a lawyer. It amazes me, Harold, how many of these guys were so well educated. They were, yeah. Uh, what did he then pursue in Paris? Well, he came back to Paris and there he started literary studies and he was supervised there by uh, an uncle, but he these literary studies really got into him. Yeah, actually, we're going to find out in a minute that he became quite a poet. But he falls in love. I like this a bit. This is a great love story, actually. Not that we're going to centre much on it today, but it is a beautiful love story. Tell us briefly about that. Well, in 1544, with two friends as witnesses, he made a recognised relationship with Claudine and he promised to marry when circumstances came good. In other words, he got engaged. That's the bottom line there, isn't it? A strong engagement, yes. Now, they did get married, but a a little later on, how long were they together for? They were together for 40 years. That's a long time back then. That would be like being together, I reckon, 70 years today. I I really think that's – I was thinking about that. Um, He was a poet. Do we know much about his poems? Well, he wrote a whole book of poems that collected and they were written in Latin and he dedicated it to his teacher from before. So he was known around in his literary works and now as a poet. Do you reckon, do, do we have any of those poems around or we just know that about him? No, we just know that about him, yeah. Yeah, why did he move to Geneva? Because this is a significant event in his life. He, 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 he takes his woman with him and he moves to Geneva. Why? Well, you know, when he wrote his poets, his poems, he really put a bit of all sorts of stuff and they said, hey, that's how you live. And so he took his way off and he went to Geneva in 1548. What position did he take up when he got there? Well, here's another one. He becomes a professor of Greek at Lausanne just outside Geneva. Fantastic. I, I, again, I'm amazed at their education. Tell me, who were the Waldenses and who was William Farrell? 
Well, William Farrell was one of the uh, uh, Protestants. He came from Switzerland and he went over to the Waldenses in 1532 and had a great meeting with them there. And the Waldenses, under Farrell, agreed to join the Protestant Reformation. The Waldenses were an ancient Protestant group, weren't they, that were really around long before Protestantism. That's for sure. And he defended them, is that right? Beezer actually ended up with Farrell defending the Waldenses, who were under major attack from Rome, is that correct? That's right. Well, he went through Switzerland and the Protestant princes of Germany, and he said, you've got to help these people, they're being persecuted. And they did help them quite a lot financially, practically, and, and even uh, going to governments to try and get them to get their soldiers off them, is that correct? That's true. Yeah. Um, French Protestants, what did he do for the French Protestants? Well, he tried to get the Protestant princes of Europe to help these French Protestants who were thrown into jail because they celebrated the Lord's Supper in Paris. In other words, they'd left the Mass and now they had the Lord's Supper. Yeah, and and as I said early on in this program, actually this day back in 15-something or or whenever it was, Harold, Zwingli first put posters around Paris. Did you know this? Decrying the Mass. And and so these Protestants in France were always in a fairly hostile country, and so to have someone like Beezer on your side would have been a good thing. Um, Was he a good preacher? He sure was. He was known as a very powerful orator. He could speak well, and he was known that for that. And he used this to defend the Protestant cause all around Europe. Is that correct? That's right. When Calvin died, what? and this is what I didn't know, and I found this very interesting. So Calvin, one of the giants of the Protestant Reformation, uh, not a person I necessarily agree with theologically on everything, but a lot we have to thank him for. When he died, what position did Beza take up? Well, Calvin was virtually the whole ruler of Geneva. Mm. The council were behind him, and the council said, okay, Calvin's gone. Beza, you're now in charge of, of Geneva. Did he do a good job? Yes, he did. Where and did... he's seen as one of the great leaders of the Protestants in Geneva. Where did the Protestant Reformation go under him? Well, it was seen that Geneva became the capital of all continental Protestantism. It was a leading place of it. His wife dies. How did he take that? Now, this is 40 years after they first met, by the way. How did he take that? Well, how would you expect? He mourned and mourned. This was a loss that really hit him hard. It seemed to have a bit of a uh, an impact on him and his ministry. Um, going back just for a moment to the French, tell us about Beza and the massacre of St. Bartholomew. Well, the massacre of St. Bartholomew just wrecked. They killed them by the tens of thousands, and he wrote a letter of reproof to King Henry of Navarre. He said, you've done the wrong thing. You need to help these people. Did it make a difference? Well, they finally came a little bit in order, but that took some years to do. What famous book did Beezer write about his friend, even his mentor, Calvin? Well, he wrote the best uh, story of Calvin's life, the life of Calvin. It's seen as the best story of John Calvin. Can you still read that book today, do you know? Have you read it? Yeah, no, I haven't read it, 
but you can get it, yeah. Some of those books, for what it's worth, I might might find out about that. Um, you can get them online for free. They're that old copyright and that's yeah. gone. Uh, when did he die? Well, he died 1605. Now, if you remember, he was born in 1519, so he would have been about 86. 80, yeah, he, that's a very old age. Um, when you look at his life, how would you describe it as you look back on it? Well, it was a varied one. He was well-educated. He was a lawyer. He was a poet, but he was an orator, and he's a great stalwart of the Reformation. Thanks, Harold, for another just fabulous, and it was a beauty today. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Sure will. Thanks, mate. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, Hunty. Mm-hmm. It's called the favourite song of all. I think yep, you'll like this. I will. He loves to hear the wind sing As it whistles through the pines on mountain peaks And he loves to hear the raindrops as they splash to the ground in a magic melody And he smiles in sweet approval As the waves crash to the rocks in their harmony All creation joins in unity To sing to him majestic symphonies But his favorite song of all
I want to welcome back to our program again Michael Worker. Welcome, Michael. Welcome. Yeah, good to be with you again, Lloyd. Now, as I see it, you're at the airport moving between, mm. what, Sydney and Melbourne? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So we might hear a little bit of noise in the background, but that's okay. No worries at all. Uh, what are you expecting to get home uh, this afternoon? You've been away for a while, I guess. Yeah, I've been on the road for a, a, a few weeks and are looking forward to getting home and uh, spending some time with my family. Yeah, remind us what job you do. Well, I have a, a range of portfolios. So I work as the General Secretary for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Australia. And uh, part of that is that I am uh, Director of Public Affairs and Religious Liberty, so uh, a lot of government liaison work, interfaith work, and I uh, find it really fascinating uh, to mix with other people of faith and to hear what government's agenda is and, and what they're trying to achieve in our country. Mm. Just so our listeners know, um, in some sense, uh, you can correct me, but you would be one of two or three lead pastors we have in the church in Australia. Would I be correct in saying it like that? Yeah, that's right. It's a it's a senior leadership role, one of the administration team for our national church. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to talk to you and ask you some questions about a very sensitive subject, and I just want our listeners to know that we go into this with great respect, um, and we, we, we talk about it very carefully because we know we're, we are talking about people's lives, but we're also looking at it as Christians. Um, in that you work with religious liberty, uh, there are some laws on the books here in New South Wales that they're trying to put through re-LGBT. Could you just briefly, and I think in a simple way so our listeners understand, tell us what's happening? Sure. And, and I think what's really important that as a seven-day Adventist church, we want to advocate for, for freedom for all, for people of faith and for people of no faith, and to create a society where we can all coexist and we can all respect each other. And our advocacy in this space is is purely around where is the balancing provisions that allow us all to get on the best as possible. And in August this year, the New South Wales government announced that they're proposing laws that will impact the way we operate as local churches, as pastors, chaplains, teachers, counsellors, and, and I guess Following in the, the suit of the Victorian legislation that was introduced a couple of years ago, uh, we're deeply concerned about what this will mean uh, for people of all faiths mm. and, and how we operate. Okay, so tell us simply what the laws that they're um, envisioning, uh, what they say and what they mean. Uh, I guess the we, we haven't seen the legislation yet. So what's kind of happened is that the New South Wales government said, <clears throat> this is the direction we want to go and we're following uh, the Victorian model. And we expect that maybe in the next month or so, the bill will be released. In the meantime, um, Alex Greenwich has introduced his own laws or his own bill, uh, which are even more, uh, I guess, radical, even more challenging and, and there are a number of concerns with the Greenwich Bill um, that, that deeply concern me as I look at a, a tolerant and respectful society. And I guess very briefly, those points are firstly, it has the potential, the Greenwich Bill, to drive a wedge between children and their parents. 
if if a child has concerns about their 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 gender identity, the parents are basically prohibited um, from having those conversations with their children. Uh, well, we don't think that's good for society. Mm. That parents and children can't sit down and and talk through these things together, even if the children consent, it would be problematic. The second concern with the Greenwich Bill is that the bill undermines the ability of religious institutions to maintain their faith-based character. You know, more than 30% of children in New South Wales attend a faith-based school because of the faith-based school's values. No one's forcing them to go to the school. No one, you know, it's a competitive marketplace, but yet parents are choosing to do that. And what this bill proposes to do is to water down or to restrict the faith-based organisation's ability to conduct the school in accordance with their beliefs and values, which, which also seems very problematic to me. And, yeah, and, and, and I guess it's not, it's not just education institutions, but it's um, health institutions, charitable institutions, and I guess that's the, the third aspect of it, is that it pervades every aspect of faith-based organisations. Tell me um, this. Okay, yeah, no, go on, sorry. No, you're, you're right, because I guess it's getting to the heart of it, isn't it? Well, I wanted to ask you, you live in Melbourne, correct? Mm, mm. How are these laws unpacking in real life in Melbourne? If they're similar, if, if the laws that are being um, looked at up here in New South Wales are similar to what's already in place in Melbourne, am I correct in saying that? Yes. How's yes. that working for you? You're, you're a Christian. You're, a ch- you're not just a pastor. You're a person who goes to church uh, week by week. <laughs> uh, your children are growing up now, but they, I guess they were in Christian schools. I think your wife has been a Christian educator possibly one of our more senior Christian, and I don't mean that in years, I better be careful I'll be in trouble with her but she'd been around in Christian education for a long time um, and, and as I said you're a Christian, um, part of your paradigm is to share Christ where openings, where, where people are, are interested, how's that going practically for you in Melbourne how do those laws impact you and, and look that's one of the real challenges because a lot of the concerns that are raised go through the civil and administrative tribunal, which are often have suppression orders over them. So a lot of what's going on in the background is actually suppressed from making the media. Um, one a, a really good resource is the Human Rights Law Alliance, and uh, they do a lot of defending of Christians who find themselves uh, on the, the wrong side of the law. They're a faith-based organisation. And, um, you know, they, 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 they tell us that, you know, there is quite a lot of cases, there is quite a lot of activity in this space. But I think that the pressure is that as faith-based organisations, faith-based schools, you're constantly questioning, am I on the wrong side of the law? Am I on the right side of the law? And when I look at the Australian Law Reform Commission's report generated in January, <coughs> excuse me, um, when they were to look federally at um, faith-based education, in their actual report they said this, their recommendation is that it's okay for a faith-based school to discipline a staff member on the base of the basis of the staff member breaching their dietary requirements, but not on the basis of their sexuality. 
Okay. So that's 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 the direction the legislation's pushing. And you know, in Christian education, values are caught as much as they're taught. Yeah. And if if the laws prohibit us from expecting a Christian teacher to live a lifestyle consistent with what they're teaching, mm. young people are going to very quickly see through it and yeah. go, well, this is a joke, isn't it? Mm. And it, it, it's okay for a political party to say, if you're going to work for us, you have to align with our values. Yeah. But for a faith-based school to say, you can't require your staff to align with your values around sexuality, yeah. then, then we're really starting to undermine the values of liberal Western democracy. And, you, and that is really getting to the heart of it. Do you see this spreading from education right across employment in the Adventist and the Christian church? Sure. And, and the Victorian legislation does impact local churches, church-based administrative offices, um, positions that are not considered senior leadership or pastoral yeah. are all caught in this net. Is there a day where pastoral and senior leadership might get caught in the net? Is that the direction we're headed? Uh, look, who, who knows what the future might look like, but um, I, I think that's fairly safe for the time being. Yeah. Um, I, I, look, let, let me let me flip it over a bit, you know, yep. because what rather than dwelling on the negative, rather than dwelling on the, these are the things we're fearful of, maybe it would be good to put it in the positive and say what would we as people of faith like to see in um, anti-discrimination law in New South Wales. And, and I can share four yeah, okay. I guess, simple yep. points of what we would like to see. Yep. Firstly, we'd love to see positive protection of rights for the free exercise of religious belief and activity. Okay. Not, not through exceptions, but through positive protection. You know, we're not out to offend people. We're not out to cause people grief. What we're wanting is just the freedom to live out our values, to live out our beliefs and to exist alongside people who might have different views. Mm-hmm. So that would be the first thing. <clears throat> the second thing we'd love to see is the protection of the ability of religious institutions, schools, charities and so on to make employment decisions in accordance with their doctrines, tenets, and beliefs. Mm. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It seems like a fairly simple ask. Yeah. But yet it's being framed as something that we're being told you can't have it. It's a simple one, that. You're just saying basically if you're in a Christian school, then the the teacher would be a Christian who holds to Christian values. Yeah, and and, or if they're not, that they're willing to uphold those values in in the way they carry out um, their 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 work. Yeah, yeah, okay, yep, yep. Um. I guess that, you know, and and just balancing the rights of religious schools and those of students who differ on issues of sexuality Mm. to continue to provide a safe place, you know. And one of the things I love about Adventist education is it's it's always been a safe place for people who might find themselves on the margins. And we try and create policies and frameworks and an environment where it is that safe place. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, really what we're being is happening is the legislation that's being introduced the legislation's being pushed is pushing us to the margins to say you are obliged to preference 
huge freedom of human sexuality mm. above freedom of religion. Yeah. They're no longer going to be equal. Yeah. They're no longer going to be appropriately balanced. Mm. But one will dominate the other. Mm. Okay. And the other one? I think there was – how many did we do? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Look, the fourth one, and, yep. and it's probably not so much of an area of concern as an Adventist church, but um, other faith-based organisations is protecting the right for faith-based foster caring and adoption services to operate okay. in accordance with their doctrines, tenets and beliefs. Yeah. Uh, because basically those churches are being told, look, if you offer foster caring and adoption services, you can't discriminate on whatever couple turns up to, to seek adoption services. Okay. Now we've only got a minute left, so I'm just yep. going to ask you, if, if we're concerned, is there anything we can do? Should we contact anyone? Um, yes, please contact your local New South Wales MP and say, I don't like the proposal of how the Anti-Discrimination Act is going to be changed in New South Wales. And um, these, are, these are my concerns. There's actually a, there's actually a website yeah. um, to, to that end. Um, that we can provide for you. It's basically, um, uh, I haven't got it right in front of me. But That's all right. Well, we, we might chase that we'll down and share it later in yep. the program. How's that? Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, look, thank you, Michael, for joining us today. I wish we had more time. Look, I've known you for many years. You sound like you might be a bit under the weather there, brother. Oh, yes, I've just, just got a little bit of a, the end of a bit of a lurgy. Okay. Well, you look after yourself, and I hope we can come back as this unfolds and perhaps talk to you a little more about it. Would that be okay? Sounds good to me. Yeah. God bless you. Have a safe trip, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, mate. Yeah, Thank bye. you, mate. So I had a quick look on the web, and I found the contact details. If anyone's interested to send a letter or a note to their MP, it's really easy. I'll just give it to you. Contact your mp.org.au. So it's contact your mp.org.au and it's a forward slash conversion dash therapy. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. One of my favourite songs, Jason Crabb, Please Forgive Me. gone, my heart is full of sorrow, I can't believe how much I've let you down, I dread the pain that waits for me tomorrow, when the sun reveals my broken dreams scattered on the ground. Forgive me I need your grace to make it through All I have is you I'm at your mercy Lord, I will serve you Until my dying day And help others find the way At your mercy Forgive me 
believe that God of earth and glory would even take the time to care for no sinner boy like me. But you know I read, oh, in the Bible, that old story, how it played for mine and your forgiveness while he was dying on that old tree. Please forgive me, yes, Lord. I need your grace to make it through. thankful for his forgiveness oh yes by his precious blood thank you Jesus oh please forgive me oh I need your grace to make it through Lord all I have is you I'm at your mercy and Lord I will serve Yes, I will, Lord, until my dying day, and help others find the way at your mercy. Please forgive me. Oh, yes, Lord. All I have is you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. And uh, whenever I've found myself falling into sin, I've always gone there. Hey, Hunty, I preached a sermon on Sabbath uh, at our church, um, and it is about the Palestinian and the Israeli situation. Very current, very relevant. Yep. And it's how I believe Jesus is the answer. Now, in this sermon, there are a couple of videos I asked you to go through and tweak them up so people listening would have an idea of what they're about. And I think you've yes. done a pretty good job. I saw that. So I hope you find this interesting. I hope you find it relevant. It's about the Palestinians, about the Israelis, and how Jesus is the answer. And I think you'll, if you listen to it, you might be convinced like I am that he truly is. God's mysterious plan for Palestinians and Jews This is, I think, perhaps in this world of division and of strife and of war and of death. I think this is just about the most powerful message I can bring to you this morning. It is a message that I have shared with you in some elements before, and you might recognise a little bit of it, but it's a really important one because we are living in a world of division. Ukraine, Russia, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Palestine, Israel. Yes, no for the referendum. And everywhere I look, I see division, division, division. It's like Satan has got a big pot and he's just stirring it up 
and too many of us as Christians are engaging. And I must admit and I must acknowledge that I've been a bit disappointed on social media as I've watched things unfold in this referendum on how Christians have spoken about those who might be on the other side of the discussion that they are. And somewhere, somehow, in this world, and even in Western society, even here in Australia, this great land of peace, we have forgotten to allow others to have a view and not agree with that view and still love them as brothers and sisters. And it's hurting us, it's hurting our families, it's hurting our friendships, it's hurting the cause of Christ, it's hurting the very fabric of the nation as it seems almost every issue that comes up we're torn apart on. And perhaps in this world there's no more stark example of the division that we face and what Satan is doing than is happening right here in Palestine and Israel. Hunty, I might like that uh, counter started, please, mate, so I know that I don't go over time with you guys. I'm trying to keep the sermons reasonably short here. Um, when you look at the Palestinian, uh, the Israeli problem, a lot of people will say, and, and this is not working, why does that surprise me? It is working now. When you look at this from a Christian perspective, you look at what's going on in Palestine and in Israel, the answer that a lot of Christians will give is Jesus is the answer. And we look at the second coming of Jesus and we say, in fact, I said it this week on social media, I said, uh, uh, when Jesus comes, he will sort out the, trouble, the troubled sons of Abraham. He'll bring peace to them. And, and that's true. But the problem we've got at the moment is the second coming is a way off. When it will be, will it be soon? Will it be far? I think it'll be soon. But the bottom line is no man knows the hour, the day or the hour. So we're not sure when Jesus will come and be the answer. But I want to challenge you today and I want to show you something that Paul wrote, that Jesus is not just the answer when he comes the second time to put all these wars down and to make them put away their tanks and their, their guns and their, 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 their missiles. Jesus is not the answer just at the second coming. Jesus is the answer right now. And Jesus is the answer for Palestine and Israel right now. And I can prove it today in this church service that right now for Palestine and Israel, who are at each other's throats, Jesus is the answer. This is not hyperbole. I'm not talking airy-fairy, technical, theological stuff, pie in the sky. I'm telling you right now that Jesus is the practical answer for the Israelis and the Palestinians and for every single conflict, including what's going on in Australia right now with this referendum. Jesus is the the answer. And if Christians and if the Adventist church understood this more deeply and intrinsically, we would be making a bigger difference on the planet. Jesus is the answer. So I look at what happened last Saturday in Israel. And I wasn't sure how to do this because I know we have children in the church. And it's difficult sometimes to talk about these sorts of subjects when we've got children. And yet it impacts our children and the children of the world perhaps more than any other. Last Saturday, Palestinian Hamas terrorists 
broke through the border fence, the border fence that I've seen. It would take some breaking through. And they began a killing spree, indiscriminate of innocent people like the Jews have not seen since the Holocaust. And it really, really was awful. The kidnappings. Here you've got a picture of a girl. Her name is Noah. She turned 26 years of age this week. She was a party. She was at a party in the southern desert there in Israel when these Hamas terrorists, and they are terrorists, broke through and have taken her hostage and nobody knows where she is or whether she's even alive. Have a picture of another girl in Gaza, Israeli Jewish girl who's been taken prisoner. And I want to say straight up and straight out that there is no cause that justifies this behaviour. Uh, it's difficult really, isn't it, to, to come to grips with what went down. Here you have Shiri Silberman Bibber, she's 30, she's believed to have been abducted. In fact, we know she's abducted because there's video of it and I decided not to show the video. With her nine-month-old little children, Kither, and three-year-old Ariel, little boy and little girl, I think. They even, Hamas even took a lady who, and this is not a picture of her, but this is one of the elderly that they did take hostage. And these are real pictures, I haven't just... Uh, indiscriminately look for pictures on the internet. I've made sure that they're real pictures of what's going on in Israel at the moment. They even took a lady who was so old that she came out of the Holocaust. So she'd come from the Holocaust, she's come to Israel where she thought she'd be free and safe and she's been taken prisoner, hostage by these terrorists. This is the party that was on in the southern desert. There's a picture of one of the young people trying to escape, uh, where these terrorists came in and gunned down 260 kids. I don't have to agree with what they're doing with their rave party, with the drugs and everything else that goes on at these things, but 260 kids gunned down in cold blood. And I want you to get a sense and a feeling of what's happened to the Israelis over the last week picture of a young man trying to escape from that party on his motorbike and all week the Jews have been burying their children and their people and it is a tragedy that Australia has never faced the like of and it is the worst loss of life as I said before and earlier that the Jewish nation has had to endure since the Holocaust so what was the reaction of Israel? You know it. I think the horror that has been unleashed by the Israeli Defence Force is unimaginable. And it might be worth noting, and I checked this, that only when Hamas was a terrorist organisation, and they are, doing horrendous things to Israel, and they did. But when 
Hamas was voted into the Gaza Strip, they only got 25 to 30% of the vote. Did you know that? And this is being unleashed on the Palestinians. And you can kind of get a sense of division and the blood hatred that has developed between these two sons of Abraham. Picture of a father bearing his son of children in a Gazan hospital. And what makes me weep, and I get emotional about it, is the children and how they suffer. This man sitting in the wreckage of his home. Imagine if this was your home and this happened to you. How would you respond? What would be in your heart? And just like the Israelis have been, the Palestinians are burying their dead. Not in the hundreds now, but in the thousands. And this is just starting to get going. And we'll see more children and more wounded and more dead before this thing is over. And the blood and the cycle of blood and the hatred and the vengeance. And I understand it from both sides because if I was on either side and I suffered what both sides have suffered in the last week, I would be responding to and probably so would you. It would take the grace of God not to. And yet we as Christians still say Jesus is the answer. And yes, Jesus is the answer. Jesus will come again. Jesus will deal with Hamas. He will. Jesus will deal with the Israelis who are perpetrating crimes against the Gazans. He will. There will be justice. There will be judgment. There will be an accounting. You can bet on it. You can be sure of it when Jesus comes. But a world is crying out for Jesus to be the answer right now. And I want to challenge you this morning that he is. If we go back to the times of Paul, the apostle, who we read our scripture reading from this morning. It was the time of the Romans who had invaded, had invaded Israel, Judah. And the Jews hated the Romans with the same vengeance as the Jews dislike today the Palestinians. And the Romans loathed the Jews with the same loathing that the Palestinians have today for the Jews. In fact, it's pretty good evidence that Barabbas himself had been caught up in an insurrection against the Romans. So Barabbas, who Jesus replaced on the cross, was a Jewish partisan rebel. And the bad blood between the Romans and the Jews was just as intense and was just as fierce and was just as hot as the bad blood today between the Palestinians and the Jews. In fact, when Israel and Jerusalem fell in AD 70, it was one of the fiercest battles in the history of the world where Jewish partisans locked up inside the walls of Jerusalem went to battle against Titus and his Roman army. And thousands and thousands and thousands of civilians and Jews, Jewish citizens and soldiers and partisans died at the hands of the Roman army. The, the historian Josephus says, and he was there, that when the Romans broke in through the walls eventually to Jerusalem, that they were so hot with rage, 
They were so resentful toward the Jews and the, the hatred was so intense that they literally cut every single person, thousands and thousands of people down, men, women and children. It was a Jewish Holocaust. And the Jews stood there and fought to their last man. There was no quarter, there was no surrender. It was a fight to the very death. Wiped out generations of Jewish people in the fall of Jerusalem. And so you can kind of get a sense of the times Paul taught in. In fact, it was so fierce that a few Jewish partisans retreated to this place, Masada, an amazing place. I've been there, down in southern Israel by the Dead Sea. This fortress, this was their last stand. It was amazing. You go up to this fortress, it's on the top of the mountain. You can imagine the Jewish partisans and their family are on this mountain, in this fortress, making their last stand against the hated Romans. I'm trying to give you a sense of the intensity of feeling between these two groups of people. And there was just as much back then in Paul's days as it is today. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I recognise we live in a world of division. And that division can't be in us because we belong to another cause, we belong to another king, we belong to another country, heaven, God, Jesus Christ. We're on a different cause than these other people. And so how did Masada end? Well, the Romans couldn't get into it because the fortress on top of a mountain, so they built a ramp. You can see the Roman siege ramp to this day. Incredible feat of technology. You know, cut a short story long. By the time the Romans got to the top of that ramp, took them months and broke through the walls of Masada, literally every man, woman and child, the Jews, the partisans who were resisting them, the last stand of the Jews against the Romans, literally every single one of them committed suicide. And when the Romans broke in, they found nothing but the dead. Can you sense it, the, the intensity between these peoples? The division, the hatred? And these are the people that Paul is preaching and teaching to. And Paul begins to preach a very strange message. A strange message for their day and just as strange today. And here's Jesus' answer to the Palestinians and the Jews. This is why Jesus is the answer to the Palestinians, the Jews and every other single division and conflict we have on this planet. Watch this. 21 times. Now I want you to stay with me today. I haven't got long to go. 21 times Paul mentions something about a mysterious plan that God has. How many times did he mention it in the Bible? 21. You can go to the book of Romans, you go to all Paul's books, you find mention about this mysterious plan. But if you really want to find out about this plan, you've got to go to Ephesians chapter 3 because that's where he reveals what this mysterious plan is. And this mysterious plan, I'm going to say it again, is the answer to the Palestinian-Jewish conflict, every other conflict and division on the planet. And it's the answer not when Jesus comes, it's the answer right now. Here it is. He says this in verse 3. And this is Paul, the apostle, writing in the midst of this Jewish-Roman hostility. In fact, it might be worth noting that it was Nero, a Roman... Um, a, a, a Roman emperor who took Paul out, took him to Rome and then put him to death, took Paul out into the Roman square and decapitated him. That was Paul's end. So Paul's living in the midst of this just like we're living in the midst of what we are. And this is what he says. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. Oh, very interesting. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. This is a mysterious plan that's going to solve the problems of the world. Here it is. God did not reveal it to previous generations, 
But now by his spirit, he's revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. Here it is, verse 6. And this is God's plan. Look at it. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. I want you to look at that. I want you to ask yourself, what's Paul saying? I wish it was a Sabbath school lesson I'd open up right now. We'd have a great discussion. What's Paul saying? I don't want you to yell it out, but if you think you've got an idea, just put your hand up. I'm not going to ask you, don't worry. I just want to see if anyone sees it. I'll show you what he's saying. I'm going to show you by getting Anthony, Lizka and Esther up the front. Come up here, you guys. And, yeah, yeah, you three. And Tana. Tana, you too. So I want you four to come up. And I'm going to show you what this mysterious plan is. Come on, Anthony. <laughs> chop, chop. I want you all to stand, you stand there, Esther. Liska, you stand about two feet away from her. Atana, you stand there, and, and you stand there, my friend. This is God's mysterious plan. Uh, watch this. Esther, where do you come from originally? India. India, wow. Liska? Indonesia. <laughs> Indonesia. Tana? Cook Islands. And Anthony? New Zealand. We won't hold that against you. Is there an Australian in the house? Is there, is there... Come up here. We need an Aussie here too. Now this is God's mysterious plan. God takes Esther from India. Come over here, Esther. And he takes... I want you to put your arm around Esther. Liska from Indonesia. And he takes Tana from the Cook Islands. He takes Cindy Yay from Australia. <laughs> and he takes Anthony from New Zealand. I said, we don't hold against you, mate. We love you anyway. No, I don't come from New Zealand. No, I'm not a New Zealander, mate. Let's not get confused here. I don't want to create a division in this worship service. <laughs> he takes them. Now, Esther is not. But Esther could be an Indian Hindu. Lizka is not, but Lizka could be an Indonesian Muslim. Uh, Tana is not, but Tana could be an indigenous Cook Island pagan. <laughs> you could be an indigenous Aboriginal, and you could be a, a Maori. <laughs> All different people with different gods from different places, and they come to Jesus and they become one church. Hallelujah. Amen. amen. That's the answer to the Palestinian-Israeli problem. It's the gospel that takes people from every background, every culture, every religion. He takes pagans. He'll take them. Jesus will take Muslims. He'll take them. Jesus will take anyone from any religion, from any place, anywhere in the world, any colour. Any race, any tribe, Jesus doesn't care. The Jewish Messiah came for everyone. And if they'll give their hearts to him and follow him, they become one church, one people, under the blood-bought cross, brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, hallelujah. Amen. Now you can sit down. Do you get what the mysterious plan is now? 
Let's have a look at it again. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles, that's all of us here. He's saying Romans. Paul is saying there Palestinians. He's saying Australians. Both Gentiles and Jews. Don't ever say that God forsook the Jews after the cross. When he set up the new church, he did not. Not at all. God's never forsaken the Jews. Any more than he's forsaken you and me. Because he invites here both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news. The good news, what, that Jesus died, that Jesus is a Messiah. The good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, the church. And both enjoy the promise of God's blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. And so that's how it works. And that's the message of the church. And that's why I get a little bit tense a little bit anxious when I see Christians and pastors. And I have to be careful of this because I'm passionate and I have views and I like to share my views. But I get a little bit tense when I see us joining with one side or the other in these conflicts too heavily that are happening down here. Now I'm not saying you can't have a view on this referendum that we're about to do. Of course you can. But what you can't do is you can't push it so hard that it gets in the way of the cause of Christ that he's given you to take to a lost world. Amen, hallelujah, amen. That's what I'm saying. Um, now, let's go back to Palestine and Israel. I've shown this clip before online. You might have seen it. But right now, today, across Jerusalem and Israel and in the West Bank, that's Palestinian territory, there are Sabbath-keeping churches right now. There's only one Adventist church in Jerusalem. But there are a whole lot of Sabbath-keeping churches that accept the Messiah and are full of Jews and Palestinians worshipping together. Amen. testimony. While Israel and Palestine tear each other apart on the battlefield, right in the middle of it are Jews and Palestinians, Jews and Arabs worshipping the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. And that's the answer. And that's the mystery. 
that the world does not understand, but the mystery of the gospel that changes everything, where God brings people from every culture, every background, every religion and every race, and he puts them under Jesus and he makes a powerful church. And it's that church that's going to save thousands, I believe, and perhaps millions in the Palestinian territories and in Jerusalem before Jesus comes, and I praise God for it. Amen? So if next time you get tempted like I do, I'm passionate to get involved in one of these discussions and one of these controversies and one of those divisions and you want to take the Russian side or you want to take the Ukrainian side or you want to take the the, the Jewish or the Palestinian, you remember you are called to a greater cause. You belong to a church that is inviting everyone to come and participate and that those who were once your enemies are now your friends and your brothers and sisters in Christ because of the blood of Jesus. I want to invite our musicians to come forward. I hope that encouraged you today in a very dark time for our world. As our world falls apart, as our singers come up, I want you to remember that we are a people of unity and love and peace and that's what we're going to call people to as this world gets ripped apart. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Find it amazing, Hunty. Mm. I do. Mm. That yeah. in this world, right now, the only one that can bring the Palestinians and the Israelis together is Jesus. Yep. And right now, in the secular world, as Palestinians and Israelis rip themselves apart in a ferocious war, one that looks like it's hotting up, right now, as I said in that sermon, mm. in Jerusalem, right across Israel and in the West Bank, You've got Palestinians and Israelis together, Mm. blood brothers under the cross, worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus truly is the answer, and there's the proof. This song, I like this song, Revive Us Again. Played it last week or the week before, but brought it back, Hunty, because that's what this world needs is a revival of the heart. We need a a, a revival that sweeps the planet where, where people experience Jesus, invite him into their lives, let him take away the division and the sectarianism, the tribalism and the hate, and replace it with the gentle agape, which is unconditional love that only he can give. That's what this song's about, Revive Us Again. Sing it with her.
hope and pray for a revival around the mm. world where mm. we can find mm. peace. Hey, Hunty, this Saturday it's at be 6 big. o'clock Huge. at our church. Actually, it's not at our church. No, we've I'll rented a, a bigger church. We've rented a bigger church at yes. 6 o'clock this Saturday evening. Yep. Hymn Sing. Yep. What's Hymn Sing? That is a great time to come and enjoy a festival of top Christian songs and praises and hymns. How many people in the... 40 to 50 voice choir, I think it's at least 40. Yep. And a huge orchestra and a regular top shelf New Hope band. Yeah. Uh, how many channels are you... Uh, the sound, sound system's going to run at least 64. Yeah, it's going to be big. We're hoping Maybe bigger. <laughs> hoping there'll be about a 1,000 people there and want to invite you. What time, Hunty? 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. I'd suggest being there o'clock. at 5.30. Yeah, good plan. So you can get a good seat. Yep. What's the address, Hunty? 357 Windsor Road Vineyard in the big red-topped Christian church, church building. Yeah, Can't miss it if you're on Windsor Road. You can't. 357 Windsor Road Vineyard. I'd like to give you a postcode, but we ain't got one. So this <laughs> well, coming, on. I could do that. This maybe. coming Saturday night, six o'clock. We'd love to see you there. You're going to enjoy. It. In fact, I'll tell you what. If if you want to come to church, because it'll be in Vineyard New Hope this week too, ten o'clock. Going to have a great day. Uh, going back to our old stomping grounds, Hunty. Yeah, we are. We used to work worship in Vineyard all the time. I love it over there. Yep, love it a whole lot. So this Saturday, six o'clock. Uh, um, him sing, we'd love to see you there. Um, God bless. Uh, I, I think you'll enjoy it. And this song, Hunty, yes, the love of God. This is the kind of music you'll hear on Saturday night. The love of God has been extended to a
love of God. What a great song. Don't you love the Gaithel Vocal Band? I certainly do. Um, you know what? It's uh, my favourite segment. As you can imagine, it's Ask the Aussie Past the Time. Mm. And it's probably too late today for you to send any questions, but you can send them in for next week. Here's the number you need. You can text them to us on 0488 880851, or you can email them to us, and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. Alrighty, so first question. Oh, from one of our regulars. Regular listeners, Rachel, and she says, Hi, Lloyd and Hunty. I experience ethical situations at work, nursing, often, and can be challenging as a Christian. We are beginning same-sex IVF soon, but I I feel conflicted about how I should approach this. Are you struggling to read that over there, Hunty? I am. Will God see me as facilitating or enabling sin? Where do I go to biblically help with ethical decisions? Any thoughts appreciated? I have got some uh, thoughts on these ethical decisions without getting too much into that one um, because I think the same applies across every ethical decision we come across in our lives, in the workplace, wherever, in our families, in our church because there's a whole host of them, especially when the world is going in the direction it is with uh, um, sexuality. Uh, Yeah, there's a whole lot of them and this is what I do. Rather than saying yes or no and giving direct um, guidance for these sorts of things. What I'll do is I'll say, hey, every single thing we come across where we're not sure, we should take it to the Lord in two things, in prayer. So we should go in prayer to the Lord and talk to him specifically about the issue that I, we, you face. And when you go to the Lord, the Holy Spirit will come and he will talk to you. And it's very important that you listen to the Holy Spirit, whether he's given you an answer you want to hear or not. The second thing, though, and it's just as important, is go seek the Scripture. Seek for principles in the Bible. Ask in your prayers for God to lead you to truths in the Bible. And together with both prayer and the Bible study, God, through the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, who is very real, will come down, he will talk to you, and he'll give you leading and direction on that ethical um, conundrum that you've got and and then you decide whether or not to obey and to listen to and to follow that direction God will mm. always encourage you to so great, that's my answer advice. does that mm. make sense Hunty? that's very so good it's more advice. a principle yep. than yep. because every, every every ethical issue we face is different so it's more a principle mm. yeah indeed all right next question does the nation of Israel have a God-given right over the lands of Palestine no not scripturally maybe morally Maybe historically. Um, <clears throat> next week I'm going to deal with this because I think it's very relevant. I'm going to continue on from that sermon. Right. Um, no, no. I, I think I've been in Israel and I'm a great, um, I'm a great supporter of Israel as a nation because of what they went through in the Holocaust, hunty. Yes. But when I was over there, I recognized pretty quickly that for there to be peace in Israel, that both the Palestinians and the Israelis, these blood brothers, sons of Abraham, do need to get together. They do need to learn to live together on the same land, respect each other. Even agape, which is unconditional, love each other, hunty. That's very important because unless they can come to grips with that, learn to live next to each other as neighbors, as friends, as fellow citizens, then there will never be peace in Israel until Jesus comes. And I just, my heart aches because I think what I just said might be the reality, Mm. that they will not find peace until Jesus comes and stops this nonsense Mm. between these two brothers. For sure. Mm. Um, Next question. Are SDA the only Sabbath keepers? No, there's, there's probably... 
I don't know. There's there's hundreds of other. I'm thinking of Seventh Day Baptist. Yeah, there are hundreds of other denominations that keep the Saturday Sabbath yep. independent, yep. bigger ones. I think the reason Seventh Day Adventists are known for the Sabbath is because we're the biggest, and it's in our title. Yeah, but they're the biggest by a long way. Right. There, there are 20-plus million Seventh-day Adventists in the world, and they reckon on any given day around the world there's 40 to 50 million people at Adventist churches. Wow. And I hope and pray if you're listening to this and you live in northwest Sydney that you'll be at our church yeah, at Vineyard. Yeah. We're a different uh, place this week. We are. Mm. 357 Windsor Road. Yeah. In the big red topped Come and experience the Sabbath with mm-hmm. us. Hunty will be there. I'll be there. I'd I'll love there. to meet you. I'm je- I met some people last week who came from radio. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. And we'd love to meet you because and they're, they're coming it's a back big day. Too. Uh, we'll have lunch together, and then we've got this magnificent hymn sing yeah, festival of music. That. Oh, that's so good. Talk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Does God expect us to treat animals with respect and kindness? Hang on. It's a two-part question. Is it wrong to eat them? Does God expect us to treat them with kind? Yeah, for sure. Of course. Yeah, of course. Is it wrong to eat them? Oh, look, I'm a vegetarian, but I'm not a militant vegetarian. I think in a world that's fallen, sometimes... Uh, look, I'm vegetarian, hunty, mm. but I'm not militant. Is it wrong to eat them? No, if you're eating... Did God say you could eat, eat animals with certain... He said you could, he said you could eat cert- or something. certain types of animals. But, oh, look, my advice, here's my advice. This is not right or wrong. This is just my advice. Yep. If you can be, be a vegetarian. People argue with me on this, but your body's made for it. You're going to avoid a whole host of cancers, whole host of cancers, man, mm. and you're going to thrive. Yeah, I'm a big dude, and I've done it. <laughs> I've done it vegetarian. You're, a, you're a shrinking dude at the moment. Yeah, yeah. What uh, are you up to? I've gone from, we reckon, about 138 kilos. We do. Down to about 116. Good oh, on you, You know mate. what? Yes. My scales vary between 118 and 116, Hunty. <laughs> well done. But, but, I, but you, they're going you, down, down, down. moved down. a chunk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah very good. Yeah. All right, next question. Um, is God for Israel and against the Palestinians and Hamas? Similar, similar question, isn't it? It is. Uh, God is for Israel and God is for the Palestinians. Yep. yep. I don't know about God being for Hamas. Maybe he before people who are caught up with Hamas. But he is for Israel and he is for the Palestinians. I mean, he made them, hunty. Mm, of course. He created them in his image. He came and died for Palestinians and he came and died for Israelis. And that's why I think we've got to be very careful in this whole awful war. And I understand why these questions are coming in. Mm. I, I, I can tell you right now that if I lived in Israel, I would be trying to share Jesus to the Israelis, who are pretty hostile to Jesus, by the way. Mm. And I'd be a lot of them, not all of them. And I'd be trying to share Jesus with the Palestinians because we belong to another. You know, when you're a Christian, you belong to another kingdom, hunty. Yes. Not the kingdoms of this world. You belong to Jesus' kingdom. He is your king, and you are inviting everyone into that kingdom, whether they're Palestinians or Israelis or Americans or Australians or Kiwis or whatever. God's asking us, His people, to invite them into His kingdom. So, so, uh, what was the question again? The is, question is: Is God for yeah. Israel and against the Palestinians God's for and Israel, Hamas? God is for Israel and God is for the Palestinians. I don't think He's for organisations that cause harm and pain, but for the people of Israel, God loves you. And if you're a Jew, our hearts are with you at the yeah. moment. For the people of Palestine, God loves you. And if you're a Palestinian, our hearts are with you. And I invite you both to join us in heaven in the kingdom of God. To join us and let the blood, uh, the blood shed by Jesus on the cross, uh, change you. Mm. Mm. Are the Jews and Israel a lot of ones coming in today? Yeah. Isn't there on this year? Are they the chosen people of God? Uh, 
Jews and Israel, chosen people of God. Uh, if they give their hearts to the Lord Jesus, everyone's chosen. Yep. Whether you're Jew or Palestinian or Australian or American. Okay, er, look, I have to think about that for a second, Hundy. Yep. Every single person on the planet is chosen. Nice. You then respond to the fact that God chose you. And if you respond in the affirmative positively and say, yes, Lord, you chose me, I accept your call and I will come and follow you and be your disciple, then you become part of the chosen, whether you are Jew or Gentile. Mm. And that's what Paul is saying in Ephesians 3 that I just preached about. He's saying the great mystery in Scripture, and Paul talks about it right through all his books, this great mystery. And then he reveals it in Ephesians 3, and he says, here's the great mystery, that God takes Jews and Palestinians. God takes Jews and Gentiles. That's anyone who's not a Jew. And he binds them together as one people, one church, under the banner of the cross. That's the mystery of the Bible. So everyone's chosen. Mm. But the Jews, the Aussies, the Palestinians, we're not chosen above anybody else. Yep. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, I love that word, whosoever, mm. whosoever believes in him, whosoever responds to that choice will be called the children of God. Yes. Love it. Love it too. Yeah, hope that makes sense. Yeah, good answer. But if you're asking, um, I've got to just to say, yes. if you're asking, am I into dispensationalism? That says that Israel will rise as God's people before the no. That I'm going to look at that next week in this radio show. Good, yeah. I, I'm sure that's where the question was heading. Mm. Um, is it okay for Christians to take up arms and defend their country? You've got, uh, one, you've got one minute. Yeah, yeah. And these are all military questions because we're in a militaristic world. I guess. Yeah. I would. I would say if you're a Christian, don't do it. No, I don't do what, it. What, shalt not kill? Is that what's yeah, in your head? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we should take up arms. I, I'm not against joining. Now, there's a lot of people out there listening to this show. Don't let them put you off. It's just my personal view. I, I think we as Christians, if you're a Christian, are called to call people to God's kingdom, not to take up arms for our nation or for this cause or that. Not against, look, I'm from a military family, hunting. My dad was in the army. My cousins are in the army, yep. uh, in the Navy. Yeah. Um, um, my my grandfather actually fought in World War Two on the Kokoda tracks. So I'm from a I'm the first generation in my side of the family not to join the military. Hmm. My dad was a chaplain for the U.S. Army in South Korea and then in Europe, the head chaplain, mate. So so I've got an army background. Hmm. I, I think if you you must join the military, then go and join as a medic like uh, Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss, yeah. Uh, what's that movie called, Hunty? Uh, one more time, was it, or yeah, one more something? <laughs> just, just one more? I don't, oh, I don't know. I don't reckon we've got that. Great we, movie. Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about that next week. But, yeah, yep. nah, look, I, I, if you're thinking about joining the military, join in a non-combat role, because I don't think that the role of Christians is to kill each other for any cause, really. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. I'm just laughing because Hunty's desperately <laughs> trying to find Scrambling for buttons. <laughs> this last song is from Fulton Adventist University. This is Adventist Pacific Islanders. I love this, Hunty. I know it might not be everybody's cup of tea, but it is beautiful. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. This is Fulton Adventist University Choir, and they're singing a beautiful song called To Live For Others.
to work over there i used to love listening to them sing those people on their harmonies wow 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 hey again come to church if you can't get to new hope in northwest sydney this saturday find an adventist find a sabbath keeping church and try it out you'll be blessed and you'll be i'll tell you what it'll be an experience like you've never had this week 10 o'clock what's the address hunty we're at 357 windsor road Vineyard. Vineyard. We're in a different place, just one off because at six o'clock we've got a fabulous, cannot wait, hymn sing. Yes. But come for church at 10. Yeah. Stay for lunch. Stay for lunch. Yeah, yeah. Going to be a good lunch. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you have taught us through your life to live for others in this world of sectarian violence, of tribalism, of division, and of war. May we be a people of peace, pointing everyone to you and your kingdom. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I am the Aussie pastor. Yeah, my name's Hunty and I'm the tech. And we love you. But you know what? We don't love you as much as Jesus does. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 